wonder if you would join me this day in the Gospel of John. We'll go to the eighth chapter and just two verses this day. So as we read from the Gospel, would you stand with me this day? John 8, 31. This is what is written. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God's blessing on the reading of his word this day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Gracious Father, open our hearts that each of us may hear your words, that in the silence and the majesty of this, your house, we may know exactly what you want us to do and how to do it, that we might live as Christians not simply for 60 minutes a week, but each and every day of our lives. May we continue down that path that you have opened before us to be the type of disciples you've always wanted us to be. I ask now, Father, that you bless the meditations of my heart, the words of my lips. May they always be pleasing and acceptable unto you. Amen. When I was in sixth grade, I entered a science fair project. I was amazed about the sun, and I I wanted to see what could be done as far as optics and solar energy. So my father went out and bought me a Fresnel lens from, I I think it's Edmund Scientific Company. I think they're still in in existence. About a 12-inch lens, concentric circles going out. Each, Each circle is actually a lens in and of itself. And we built a wooden frame, and we could use it for a number of different experiments. And when I was inside, it became a gigantic magnifying glass. And I'd put kernels of corn underneath of it and pencil lead and my mother's hair, and I'd look real close. And then we took it outside, and it became kind of a a solar oven there under the sun. I started cooking hot dogs, burning holes in the grass, and setting bugs on fire. I'm not really overly enamored with the fact that I set bugs on fire. Neither are the bugs. But as a sixth grader, it was something fantastic and amazing to do. But what really thrilled me more than anything else is that if you set it up right outside, just right, we had a creek and and woods behind our house. And you could set that up so that there was a little beam of light, laser-like, about 50 or 60 yards into the woods that would illuminate in the trees and the bushes back there. It fascinated me. It was like a gigantic flashlight, only pinpoint. And I was fascinated. It illuminated things in the midst of the darkness. Today is Reformation Sunday. We celebrate the 500th anniversary of October 31st, 1517. The day Reverend Dr. Martin Luther, monk, priest, college professor, posted an invitation for scholarly debate on a church door. Doesn't sound like a very big deal to us. And it's doubtful whether Luther ever really thought of it being a big deal. 
But the debate that Luther had hoped for was about selling indulgences. Do you know what indulgences are all? Indulgences were how you could, oh, pay money. Pay money either for yourself to get into heaven or to pay for somebody who you might think was in hell to get to heaven. You either had to collect a lot of money or you had to go into hock trying to get money to pay for these indulgences. And Luther's 16th century thesis was a big deal because the church, the church was behind this scam. The church was making money. And this wonderful scholastic piece of documentation, these 95 theses that he nailed to the door, these 95 points of arguments raised huge and important questions about the church, the authority of the Pope, the role of the church, how we are saved, what Jesus does for us, and what it means to be a Christian. In other words, all the important questions he nailed to that door and wanted to have a debate about it. Unfortunately, the debate in and of itself never really happened. There was an unnamed printer who had a, a nose for what would sell in the public, and he ripped those 95 theses off the church door. And he had them translated from the Latin to the German. And then he went out and used the recently invented printing press to make thousands of copies to spread all over Germany. And it was like a bomb went off. People read this. And within two weeks, the indulgences in Germany that had been a steady stream, a flood, if you will, went down to a trickle because people realized what was going on. They understood the scam that was going on in the church. The questions raised by these 95 theses is about the power of the church, about the mercy of God, It's about the light that we need to be and that we need to celebrate on this Reformation Sunday. Now, you might ask yourself, you know, Reformation Sunday, Reformation Day, it's kind of like the 4th of July. It's kind of like your birthday. Is it something that happened a long time ago, or is it something that's happening now? Why are we celebrating this? You know, on the 4th of July, are we celebrating the fact that We founded this country in 1776? Are we celebrating the fact that we are such a great nation today? When we celebrate your birthday, are we just celebrating about that distant past time when you were born? Are we celebrating you as a person today and all that you've done? Reformation, it happened a long time ago. So what's the big deal? Why don't we just put it in an encyclopedia? Why don't we just mark the date on the calendar and forget about it? Or if it's something that we're really concerned about now, why are we talking about 500 years ago and this dude named Martin Luther? Why should we care? Well, as you and I both know, for any anniversary or any birthday, it has a little little to do about then and a little to do about now. And today's message for you is very simple, and you need to take it to heart. We need to remember what Martin Luther did centuries ago because chances are we wouldn't be here unless he had had the courage to nail those 95 theses to the church door. He questioned the practices of the medieval church. He practiced, he talked about the claim of the Pope and the authority of the church, and he challenged those claims. And we need to remember that Martin Luther and his followers got kicked out of the church 
because they had the courage to question these things. Things that you should be familiar with that, number one, we are saved by grace alone. Sola gratia. We are saved through faith alone. Sola fide. We have the trusting authority of God's precious holy word alone. Sola scriptura. And we are saved only through Jesus Christ. Sola Christas. Those things are not only important 500 years ago, they are most certainly important today. It helps us to remember who we are and what our purpose in this world is as Christians. Reformation is not a once and for all deal. What God did with Luther and his followers is wonderful. But he's looking for us to continue a reformation in the church, a reformation in the world. It's not a checkpoint in history. It's an ongoing, continuing process. The Reformation 500 years ago marked a rather dramatic and painful step in the church's life. But Reformation in and of itself means a reshaping, reforming again. Throughout the Old Testament, God was trying to reshape and reform the Israelites. He used the prophets and foreign nations and foreign enemies, foreign armies to get their attention. And Jesus Christ in the New Testament was constantly trying to make the disciples understand what his true purpose was. And then in his resurrected body, he came back and said, and I will leave the Holy Spirit with you, and the Holy Spirit will guide you so that you don't get bent out of shape or you don't get twisted or you don't get lost on the path that I've opened for you. The church of Christ has people in it, and those people are sinful. That's the only kind of people there are, broken, sinful people. Think about it. For God to choose his holy church and make it out of broken, sinful people. It's like trying to make the Statue of Liberty out of mashed potatoes. Depending on the consistency of your mashed potatoes, it's a full-time process. You mold those mashed potatoes up. By the time you get about six feet off the deck, those mashed potatoes are starting to drip down. You're constantly reforming. You're reshaping. You're changing. You're holding things together every second of the way so that you can make out the Statue of Liberty. You have to work like a maniac to keep it in shape. The Statue of Liberty, made out of mashed potatoes, stands in need of constant reform. So does the church. Our scripture passage today says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Set you free. Isn't that the essence of the gospel? Our salvation is free. It's a gift we can't buy with money. We don't get because we have perfect attendance or we're on umpteen committees. It's a free gift given out of love. And the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is our only hope. We have to rely on Jesus Christ. Even when we want to rely on ourselves. Even when we have the best intentions. Even when we think we can do it. We still need to rely on Jesus Christ. Reformation Day is a day that we are reminded that God holds us together and that he is still reshaping us and reforming us every step of the way.
We're like that Statue of Liberty made out of mashed potatoes. God is constantly there with his hand on us. He never lets go. Reformation is a day when we remember that we are God's people. And if we're left to our own devices, heaven knows what would happen. We would drift away from the truth. And it's a day that we rejoice and say, we're glad that God doesn't leave us alone. We're we're glad that he keeps his hand on us. We're glad that we're reminded that we need reshaping, that we're not a finished product. God constantly calls us back to the truth and then emphasizes, I not only want you to say the truth, I want you to live the truth. The Holy Spirit touched Martin Luther there in northeastern Germany to bring the gospel to the light of the darkness of the world. Nailing that document to the church door, he brought a light God's light in the darkness of 1517 was about how you buy your way into heaven or how you buy a relative's way out of hell. Martin Luther and countless others were remembered that we are saved by Jesus Christ alone and by his grace. And what I want to tell you today that I want you to remember is that the Holy Spirit still comes to us just like it came to Martin Luther sending us out into the world to bring the very same light all over again, to battle against the darkness that is around us each and every day. All you have to do is look at the Internet. All you have to do is read the newspaper. All you have to do is watch the nightly news. You can't tell me there's not a ton of darkness out there. And everybody wants every other solution except the solution that really works, which is Jesus Christ. I hear about solutions every day, and I want to say, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Our age, any age, has many, many darknesses. Right now, we live in an age that doesn't even believe in the resurrection. We're told scientifically about how you can't live after death, forgetting the fact that with God, all things are possible, and there's nothing that is impossible. We live in an age that is fixated on death. We're fixated on growing older. We want to stay eternally young because we think that age means the end of all of us. And yet it is just the beginning. We live in an age that stockpiles the treasures of this world and forgets about accumulating the treasures for the next world. Somewhere along the line, We have forgotten what God is all about. We are in an age of judgment where people are readily defined by their color, by their creed, by their nationality. And one group always feels like they're superior over the next. And they forget that every last one of us was made in the image of God. Shame on us. Shame. We are in an age sometimes without hope, an age that is afraid, an age that desperately needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, but for some reason we've either forgotten or we've refused to forget. We just don't want anything to do with Jesus. If there was ever a time for reformation, reformation in his church, reformation in this world, that time is most certainly now. 
If there's ever a place for reformation, it's right here in this church in Centenary, in this community of Danville, in the state of Kentucky, in this country of the United States, and in every nation around the world. And if there's ever anybody that's going to do it, don't look to Martin Luther. He's long dead. Don't look to the other guy. Look in the mirror. Because the reformation begins with you. Are you willing not only to speak the truth, are you willing to live the truth? Are you willing to live the truth of Jesus Christ? The church must stand for the truth of Christ in what it says and in what it does. And that doesn't mean we have to be judgmental. That means we have to follow Jesus Christ's teaching, his example, and we have to be loving in the prospect. It is the mission, and for the sake of that mission, we need to follow the truth of Christ. We are divided in this world by so many different truths, by so many different beliefs. We have rationalized and justified just about everything we possibly can, except what's really important, the good news of Christ and what he teaches us in this word and how he examples that we are supposed to live our life. We are a world divided by political and religious and economic divisions. A world that's in constant conflict, constant terror, constant finger-pointing, constant judging. And yet we have one solution, and we all know the solution. But we either forget about it or just simply refuse to accept it. The church is called to be the light of the world That means we're to go out and to try to heal those divisions that exist in our world. And that's not going to happen by simply making true statements about Jesus Christ. You're not going to remove the doubt of others in making true statements about Jesus Christ or saying a creed or quoting a Bible verse. In other words, you have to not only speak the truth, you have to live the truth. You've got to be a lot more in your lives than simply quoting this Bible you got to be the Bible. You've got to be Christ-like in who you are and in what you do and in what you say. That's reformation. That's reformation. We have to speak the truth. We have to live the truth. We have to be a light to the world. The truth is incarnate in Jesus Christ. We celebrate that. We're getting ready to celebrate that at Advent. And we are called to express that truth in what we say, and in how we act, and in how we love one another, in how we are truly not just Christians, but how we are Christ-like, Christ-like in who we are and what we do. We are called to be his light, folks, and it is through that light that we will reform this church and we will reform the world. And most people say, oh, it's too big a job, we can't do it. God provides the illuminating source, and he expects each of us to reflect his glory. He, reflects, he wants us to be reflections into the darkness of this world, just like that Fresnel lens shining that laser light into the darkness of the forest behind my house. Reformation Day is not just an anniversary. It's not just a celebration of Martin Luther and what happened 500 years ago. It's not just simply remembering what God has done in the past. It's remembering what God is doing right now and what he needs of us as his church, as followers of his son. It is a reminder that God is working among us 
That he is always here, that he's always reshaping us, that his touch is always upon us, and he wants to move us into the future. So stop living in the past and start being ready to be reshaped for the future. God is reforming us even as we are sitting here, beckoning us back to the truth, back to the hope in life, back to the forgiveness that we so desperately need and we need to show. God is sending us out there not simply to speak the truth, but to live the truth, to shine his light in the darkest places of the world. And I know you've heard this before, but I will ask you again. If we are to shine his light, to be a light in the darkest places of the world, if not now, when? If not here, where? And if not us, Would you bow your heads with me, please?